So I don't know if you believe in like signs or you're that kind of person, but um, I had a moment coming over here. Yeah. Where um, obviously we're gonna talk about my mom. My mom passed away when I was sixteen. I think I told you. Yeah. Um, I went to Starbucks. It was the first thing I did when I left the apartment. Like, yeah. I went to Starbucks. I was like, okay, because I've been nervous since last night. Yeah. I just feel like I'm gonna be so naked. But it's like I want to. You know, I want to be this trans. Was it uh, transparent? Yeah. Vulnerable. So, because you never know who's out there, like living your life at 16. When you were 16, they just little word of encouragement or, oh, there's somebody out there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. Um, so, I'm driving to Starbucks. The parking lot is absolutely empty. There's only one car. And the license plate is my mom's nickname. No. It, I've been getting this since like Maris, like Ocean. So her name was Edis Bay. And in Portuguese, I guess it means like I'm Colombian, but we have like Portuguese in our blood. Um, it means um, like it is bay. I guess it's like beautiful bay or beautiful sea. Uh-huh. Like I think that's how they break it down. And then her nickname, because we both love the ocean, is Maris, uh-huh. like oceans. Yeah. Right? Literally, I have a picture of it. I'm not even fucking lying. Um, oh and then God. last night, it's like she was everywhere. Like everywhere. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'm like, I have my own uh, dog care business. So I was like walking my doggies. And oh, no, this one was. Uh, look, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. And it had the word, the letter L in front of it. It's like. And then when I got in my car, my um, my headphones, like the old school ones, were in the form of a heart. I even took up that picture, too. I was like, how can you not? Like, it gets Little to a things. point where it's like. Okay, this is too much of a coincidence. Yeah. And then, I don't know, you know, so I'm going to be her voice, you know, I guess. She was 22 when all this happened. Oh, a question I was going to ask you, and I was asking my best friend last night, is what's first generation? Because her and I are the first people from our family to come here. Yeah. So wouldn't she be first generation? See, or we're both first generation. I was so confident in that term until I was talking with someone um, bros and they said they define like Chicana or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was like being um, born, the first one's born here. And then I was like, uh, as a Mexican American, I was like, well, technically that's not me then because I was born in Mexico. So honestly, at this point, I think it really depends on what you, how you take that definition and how you interpret yeah. it. So I consider myself first generation because I have those experiences. Yeah. And you were so, young. How old were you when you came here? I was nine months old. I was a baby. Oh, you were the old baby. Yeah, I was yeah. a baby. So for me, I had those experiences of being first gen and going I through those struggles. So generation. to me, I consider myself first generation. So it kind of just depends on what you feel like it is. Um, by the way, right before you started speaking, uh, I pressed record. So we're recording. Okay, just letting you know. Honestly, you started off really, really nicely. That I was just like. I don't want to say my intro. Like, this is a really great way to start this episode. Oh, so, um, yeah, well, I if guess. If you want to use it, go ahead. I believe in the kapoi. It's okay. <laughs> I believe in everything. I, Sometimes you, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, right? There's so many possibilities of things. I right? am open to the possibilities of of things existing. If I don't believe in it, it doesn't mean it's not real yeah. or something. I, I try to kind of lean towards that. But, um I'm going to just do my little spiel just to get out of the way because I tend to forget. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. No, it's okay. Honestly, I'm loving this vibe already. Um, Well, 
couple minutes in and my name is Monica. This is Cafe with Strangers and this is Marilyn here with me. Um, and today, well, to, I'm usually the one buying coffee, but sometimes this happens where the other person brings or like, it's like, oh no, I'm okay. So we got Starbucks here. Is that a chai? No, this is a triple espresso. Triple espresso. Oh, okay. I'm a freak. I usually like four shots, actually. I'm like, let me tone it down just by one shot. Yes, by a little bit. Um, I am having an iced chai um, from this. It's called a, The Bear and the Boy or something like that. I don't know. It's really good. But anyways, I tend to forget to mention the coffee place. Kind of like un cafecito with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Like, Anyways. Um, but, okay, that's my part. And I'm going to kind of pass it on to you. I'll let you introduce yourself and start wherever you want to start. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> now the pressure's on. Now I can. Um, my name is Marilyn. Um, I was born in Colombia, Cali, Colombia. Um, I came to this country when I was about four, maybe a few months after I turned five. Mm-hmm. My mom, um, with my mom, I was 22 at the time. Um we did the whole shebang, so we were coming from South America. Uh, the only thing I do remember, and I wish she was alive to ask her questions because, you know, my curiosity is getting to me the older I get, is that um, you did need a visa to get to Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where the whole approaching it legally stopped. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of went with it. And it was multiple countries. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> multiple. Um I don't know where to start. Should I just keep going? Whatever you want to okay. say, whatever brings up. We can, also, I am okay with like kind of going back and forth between okay. conversations okay. because that's um, I have ADHD. My brain tends okay. to bounce back and forth with things, so I can follow the conversation. So whatever. Like so yeah, okay. however you want to go about it. Okay, so I'm just gonna start. Well, yeah. I'm just start. Okay, so um, yeah, I was about four, five. Um, my mom had me when she was about seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, nobody up to that point in my family that came to this country. She just kind of made that decision. She was like, I'm taking my baby girl out of all this. Yeah. Uh, we lived in great poverty, mm-hmm. not American poor, like poverty, poverty, you know? Um, and she just, she's always been like a very strong, independent, I'm going to take life by the balls and let's go do it. Like, yeah. Like, let's head on. And one of the things that um, not to dismiss or underline or kind of takeaway is that I'm very grateful that she decided that the only way she was going to come here was if I was with her. She refused to leave me behind, Mm -hmm. even though we have, you know, my grandma, my uncles and my aunt and all that stuff. Like we have a big family, but she's like, no, if I, if my baby doesn't come with me, I'm not going either. And, uh, within that, there is a lot of privilege with it, I mean, it's like everything in life is so many layers. It's yeah. not just black and white, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, she was very young and beautiful. And she was always put in the front for everything. I do remember that. Um, I'm sure that my who became my stepfather after we were done with her journey um, had a lot of pull in it, maybe. I don't know. Like I said, I wish I could ask these questions to her, you know. But um he did, uh, I, I hate saying this, but I mean, it's the truth, you know, uh, being from Colombia, like it is true, especially like in the eighties and nineties, like every person you would meet, somebody was doing something with narcotics, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and that's what happens when people are desperate. 
Yeah. And their own country is just falling apart mm-hmm. and they don't know how to feed their children. They don't know. It's, it's a, con- I mean, it's a fuckery, you know? It's um, the reality of our world. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. So I'm sure he paid a lot of, uh, Coyotes. I don't even know. If that's like the right term to say. Yeah, I say. I, mean, I say right? that. I don't know what it, else to call them. Coyotes. <laughs> I mean, they were. You know. What yeah. I mean? uh, to uh, have us as safe as we can possibly be, but um, I still have very vivid memories of that. Um, a lot of hiding, and like underneath, uh, like, under, like there were like tunnels under the earth. Like you would go to a desert or a forest, and it would look completely normal. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, somebody would like some bushes or something, and then there was like a door, and then you would go in, and it was a huge place. It's like whoa! So I remember that. I remember getting rid of a lot of our stuff. At one point, we just got rid of everything, running a lot, running, yeah, uh, especially at night, a lot of gunshots. Oh, wow. And the way I remember it is her holding me, and my vision when i close my eyes and i remember these things it's me bouncing up and down because she was running yeah and me looking behind i mean like she wasn't looking behind because they were looking forward, the right? way that They're she like, was holding you yeah the way she was holding me like i saw everything like these people just like running after us and i remember feeling like why do they hate us so much we're the same color we look the same way yeah. you know it's like i don't understand why are they trying to stop us like I had no, my mom was very open with me and tried to communicate with me like what was going on, but I just couldn't process it completely. I mean, you're Um, a little kid. How can you? I was a baby. Um, But the thing about children is that we need to give them more credit because they're more aware of what's going on than we give them. A hundred percent. They know more than, they may not be able to express it, you know, because they don't have the language for it, but they know what's going on. Yeah. one of the best thing, I mean, besides my mom just being a fucking rock star, is that we would only eat rice and beans, and mm-hmm. occasionally we would have like chicken or a banana or something. My mom would always save the rice and put it in a little bag and put it in her pocket. So if I was hungry, she would like bring out the rice, and of course the rice doesn't go bad that easily, you know. Um, I do remember always being called out first when a car would arrive. And I did ask her, my mom, how come we are always first? You know, she would just look at me. She's like, just take it. Just mm-hmm. take it, mommy. Just take it. I'll explain it to you later. And I'm like, okay. Because I've always, i always very, been very empathetic towards others. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I definitely get it from her because she was like my, my huge example. So like seeing other kids behind, like I'm like, no, they should come with us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they didn't. They would always be first. And the more countries we cross, the group got smaller and smaller and smaller. Eventually, when we got to Texas, it was only four of us, my mom and I included. And we started off with like 20 people. Oh, wow. So I don't know. These are the kind of things that I wish she was alive. I mean, for so many reasons. Yeah. Know, but, but one of the things is like, as an adult, I, I would love to like sit down and ask her questions. Like, yeah. mom. You know, like, what well, what happened? I know a couple of times, well, more than a couple of times that I can remember, she cried a lot. Yeah. Um, and I know she cried because she was tired and she was hungry and we were dirty. But I also think she cried because of things that happened that I had no idea about. Who was killed? Who was in prison? Who? And I made little friends, like... That's the beautiful thing about a kid is like you just acclimate to your surroundings and you're like, oh my God, there's dirt and grass and trees. Like, let's make a little house or let's cook something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just like, 
but um no all my little friends didn't come with us and it took a lot i think it might have taken like six months to a year i mean we crossed from south america so it's like far oh my god and yeah and then the culture shock when we got here oh my god i was like i mean my little head and my little child i was like what the fuck is this yeah you in texas yeah in texas i believe it was texas um like i said there's a lot of questions that are unanswered right now but um I remember everything was just straight. Like the streets were straight. The buildings were huge. Um, the car that my stepfather picked us up on was really nice. Yeah. Um, and that's from my little perspective, who knows if it was, you know, I was like, oh my God, even having a car was like, wow, I'm gonna yeah. get a car. Like, be, <laughs> it really was like that. Like, it's like you, you, you walk into this completely different planet, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we went to Tampa, Florida, and he had a very nice house there. And I understood in that moment that my world was not going to be the same. I didn't understand either. Within that, I didn't understand how we could go from just being scared for almost a year. And before that, even in Colombia, like living, you know, the, 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 the roofs were like made out of lata. And I don't know how do you say that in English. Not like, that can. Like metal, metal like, cans, like cans, aluminum, yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like that kind of property, you know. And then we come into this beautiful Tampa home with a huge pool and like a huge lake in front of it. And I'm like, okay, something's fishy. But I'm a child, so I don't know what the fuck yeah. is going on. So I just like, I, I I just went with it, and my mom went with it too. And um, she put me to school, and that was that's where all the trauma happened. And People think that, you know, they ask me, they're like, Weren't you, don't you consider trauma like even crossing the border? I'm like, no, because my mom always made it comfortable. Like she always just like, I don't know, like she just had a way of talking to me. She talked to me like I was like her equal, mm-hmm. you know, in my own child, using certain words. Yeah. But I went to this school. You can stop me whenever you want. Oh, no. <laughs> I, just, like, I, <laughs> um, I was one of the only brown kids. And mind you, I'm a light-skinned Latina. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm passing or whatever people want to call me sometimes. I'm like, I'm not passing. I think in today's <laughs> in age, yeah. a lot of a lot of Latinas, la Latinos can be considered white yeah. passing yeah. because of just like the tie, the day and age that we're at right now. Yeah. So, um, but obviously I didn't know English. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I was sitting um, in front of the class and she was introducing herself or whatever. And I got a bad vibe from her from the beginning. The teacher? Yeah, I don't even remember her fucking name. <laughs> um, but I got a bad vibe. I was like, oh, I don't like this lady. Like, there's something about her. But, you know, I, again, in my in my child mind, couldn't put language to it. You know, yeah. I couldn't express it. So I'm sitting, and I'm sure she was saying something about not doing something. And at the moment, I was, like, picking my nose, you know, because <laughs> big fan, big fan. <laughs> I was picking my nose and she grabbed me and she's like screaming at me. Like I'm imagining to this moment, like maybe she was like, don't do that or whatever. And I'm looking at her like, whoa, what did I do? You know, at the moment, the reason why I know it was about picking my nose is because what happened afterwards that whole time I was in that class. And I know it had a lot to do with racism. um, She put my table against the back wall and I faced the back wall throughout the whole thing. So I had a hard time speaking English because 
I wasn't taught to me because I wasn't allowed to be taught English. And she had, yeah. And she had um, the whole class call me booger nose. It was horrible. And it, it was just bad, but I didn't understand. Like in my, I can be a little slow sometimes, you know, like pick up like, ah, this person really doesn't seem like mean good for you. Yeah. It's because I have this idea, like everybody has good in them. Like, you know, like, yada, yada, but sometimes it's not true. Yeah. So I just, and anytime, like I would think she would show me a little love or like any, like I would like eat it up. And one of my, uh, I was not the only brown girl. I take that back. One of uh, my classmates was a Latina and she would call me in Spanish. I mean, she'll talk to me in Spanish. She's like, you need to tell mommy and daddy that she's not nice to you. Yeah. But I have this idea of always being so protective over my mom that I refuse to tell her anything bad that was going on because we had already experienced that. And in my own little head, I'm like, mom doesn't deserve to know any anything bad. Like yeah. she doesn't, she shouldn't know. It's not like she didn't communicate with me or she told me to shut up. No, it's like, it was just me choosing not to hurt her anymore. Yeah. And, um, so and sometimes too, like we would go to uh, lunch break and she would pull me out of the line and wouldn't let me get food. And don't worry, there's a hero that walks in into the story. I'm just saying you all knew that stuff that uh, There's another time where um, she got the kids so riled up that they would lie and say that I was picking my nose or that I was doing something that she didn't like. So she would take me out of class and have her assistant take me to the bathroom and She's like, clean your face. You know, at this point, I was like picking up words. You know, kids like pick up. Oh, yeah. We were talking. Um, she's like, clean your face. And I'm like cleaning my face. And she's like, that's not clean enough. That, that was her assistant, by the way. And then she got frustrated with me. She went and got the teacher. And the teacher came in and I was fucking petrified because I was like, I don't know what to do. You're yeah. asking me to do something. I'm doing it. But you're like telling me that I'm not doing it right. Like, I don't get it. Um, she grabbed my head. No. She dug it in the toilet and she said, You want to be dirty? No, I'll make you dirty. Shut it was. You're fucking lying. No. <laughs> and it's funny because oh all God. this freaking time, like growing up, I was so used to chaos that I thought that was normal. That's another thing that happens to like when you grow up in like generational trauma yeah. or like all this stuff. Like you just feel like, well, no, no, that's normal. That's. That's what happens. That's what adults do when they're like upset with you. Now, mind you, my mom never treated me like that. I'm not saying that, but I don't know. Like, I just had like a very low way of thinking about myself, I guess, yeah. as a kid. Um, so that particular day, um, I remember there was a teacher that would always watch me and I felt that she wanted to approach me. Mm -hmm. But every time she would try to approach me, like my other teacher would like take me away and blah, blah, blah. So we were... Um, we were at recess. Oh, and recess, she would keep me in class. Oh so it's like, I'm sure people notice, but maybe, I don't know. But this particular time, I was at the park after that toilet incident, and I was wet, obviously. And I would sit away from all the kids because I just, I just didn't want to get in trouble yeah. for playing or whatever. She came up to me, and I wish I remember her name. I'm horrible with names, by the way. Uh, she came up to me and she said, hey, you want a cookie? But she said it in Spanish. And I got so excited because I'm like, oh my God, there's an adult that speaks Spanish, you know? She was like a white girl. Like, she wasn't even Latina, or at least I, I don't think she was. Yeah. She just sat there with me and we talked. She was so sweet, so kind. She's like, please come to me if anything happens to you. Like, she noticed, you know? 
Um, and then that same day, she took me to the principal's office and she brought my teacher and then they had me sit outside. And I think within like a week, I was gone and we moved to Chicago. And then that, when I went to Chicago, I, I, I we stayed there for like 10 years. Yeah. And, well, we would go back and forth from uh, Florida to Chicago a lot. But um, it was better because I went to a school where, you know, there was a lot of more, there yeah, was more POC diversity. For sure, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But, I mean, it was a mixture of whites, blacks, and Latinos, you know. I don't like to say blacks. Like, I don't know. I, I don't like calling people by color. But, you know, like, yeah. it was diverse. Um, so that was better. But then within all that, there's stuff going on behind the scenes that was really bad. And my mom was really young and she didn't know what to do. And it was just, the thing about my mom, I feel that she escaped Colombia because not only to like provide a better opportunity for herself and for me and to give us like a chance, but also um, to break a, tra a generational trauma. And cause you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of fucked up shit that goes on. And at least what I know, the Latin community, you know, yeah. and we tend to say, don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it, you know, mm -hmm. and, but they allow shit to continue, but we just don't talk about yeah. it, you know? And I think she was trying to escape all that, but what ended up happening is that it followed her to here. Okay. And that's one thing, don't they say like, you know, no matter where you are, you're still gonna have your problems. Like you have to face them head on, you know, no matter where you are. Yeah. And I think that just kind of fucked up our experience, but um, I wouldn't change it any other way, you know? Um, the best advice she ever gave me was, uh, I was about seven. And she still, she hustled, man. She had like two, three jobs. And I, I remember sitting there looking at her like, you don't have to work like that. I said that at the time, like, he has it. Like, we have everything we need. We live in a nice neighborhood, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I was very aware that she's like, no, no, no. She was still clean toilet. She was still, you know, work at factories. Like, I'm like, I don't get it. So one day she took me, um, it was a doctor's office. It was like at night, like 10 p.m. or something like that. And she was cleaning the toilet and I got mad at her. I'm like, why are you doing that? You don't need to do that. I was seven, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't need to do that. I put this on off. I don't know what it's going on. I'm like, you don't need to do that. Like, what the fuck? And blah, blah, blah. I was, I was a little stinky little girl, too, because my stepdad, like, spoiled me a lot. Whatever I wanted, he would give me. Mm -hmm. But also because he had other motivations. You know what I mean? So she sat me down, and she said, look at me. And I was like, she did that a lot. Like, just look at me. Like, she was, she's like no matter where you are in life, always stay humble and always remember where you come from because we didn't have this all our lives. And if you want something, you work hard for it. If you have to clean toilets, you clean toilets, mamas. But in the most loving way, like she wasn't punishing me. She wasn't like, she was just letting me know. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. It comes from you. You need something, you work for it. You want to get something for the family, you make sure it comes from you yeah. and not anybody else. And then I got a little smart and I was like, well, how come dad pays for everything or blah, blah, blah. She's like, he pays for us, but he doesn't pay for Colombia. And whenever she would say Colombia, it was like, she was basically taking care of everybody in Colombia. Mm -hmm. She built a house there. Like now it's a three-story house. Like now they're all set up, 
you know, my everything um, paid for my uncle's education. It's like the woman hustled and she never asked for anything. I think the only thing she asked my stepdad to do is give me comfort. And unfortunately that bit her in the ass, you know? So like I said, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, I'm grateful for her taking that chance. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know where I would be in Colombia. Colombia is way better than this country now. <laughs> you know, like way better. They're so progressive, and oh. I mean, compared to how they were in the eighties, nineties, because yeah, the, the the drug thing, like really yeah, fucked us up, all of us. You know what I mean? But now it's like all that stuff is like subsiding, and you know, like good politician, as good as they can get. Politicians are coming in. Uh, La guerrilla, uh, the guerrilla, the get guerrilla is like making peace with the government. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on. Yeah, that I'm aware. Of. Um, so that was that. And then, um, when I was 15 and I mind you still, it's just me and my mom here. Uh, she in Chicago in Chicago. Yeah. She eventually broke up with, uh, separated from my stepfather. Um, some shit went down and obviously she sent me to Columbia for like two years. So oh, I was wow. there from 10 to 12 culture shock. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I was such a little brat. <laughs> I remember going like, oh. You know, like, what am I doing? Oh, my God. I remember back and I'm like, oh, God, Marilyn, you were only a child. I'm going to forgive you. Uh, but my family set me straight. They were like, oh, okay, America. Oh, gringa. They call me gringa. They're like, oh, no, no, no. It's very different over here. And I'm like, okay. But, yeah, humility and, like, um, the sense of family, it felt great. Like, I was, quote, unquote, miserable for those years, but I wasn't. I think that was one of the happiest times in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I felt protected. Yeah, I feel like all the bad things that were happening weren't happening anymore. Yeah, my uncle. I will have one particular uncle that's like my soulmate, mm -hmm. my uncle Roger. He's fucking nuts, but I love him, and he was just so protective. And I, I wanted that so bad, you know. So then I came back to Chicago when I was about thirteen. Mind you, all this time I didn't, I didn't know that um, she was trying to fix my papers because mm. i always thought it was legal <laughs> like yeah. i never thought it was like illegal but i guess all those years like i was an immigrant like obviously like legit immigrant you yeah know? um and i think those two two and a half years she <clears throat> mom sorry to call you out she married a friend <laughs> so she can get you know papers because a lot of people have to do that and um i ended up coming here i was miserable without her to it because we were like everything we yeah like, we were like you know what i mean like they would call me chiclet because i always wanted to be next to my mom yeah she was a fascinated woman a fascinating woman you know and um i came here when i was 13 again and we lived by ourselves for like two years it was beautiful that was the happiest times of my life mm -hmm. and we had our own little apartment in chicago two bedrooms and we were my mom was my mom but she was also my friend to a certain extent like, mm -hmm. obviously like she would put boundaries up you know because she's like i'm still your mother mm -hmm. but she always saw me as her equal she always wanted any qu no question was unanswered the only problem with my mom is that she didn't know how to deal with the fact that that generational trauma followed her gotcha you know because she probably was punishing herself like i try to get the fuck out of that and it, it was here it was here with me and my daughter so there's certain things we didn't talk about, obviously. And um, then she got sick 
and she went to the doctor and uh, oh, I feel like I'm dissociating already. Like mm. my body is just like, take Whoa. your time. Whew. So she was really sad. She didn't say anything to me, but I know something was up because, like I said, my mom and I were very close. We still are. Um, and then she told me my grandma was coming. That's how I knew something was up because I'm like, well, what do you mean my grandma's coming? Like you've been trying to get her to come over here, like putting. I was aware of that. Mm -hmm. and you couldn't get anybody from the family to like sponsor them to come over here. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, she's coming. And then she came, my uncle came. And then we went to the, to the hospital and that's when they told us, they're like, oh, you know, this very nice nurse said, hey, your mom is sick. Um, she's going to go into surgery, you know, um, but everything's going to be fine. Cause it's, um, we caught, we caught it very early and I was like, we caught what? Yeah. You know, like, what are you talking about? She's like cancer. And I'm like, oh, I was so fucking pissed because one, I don't want to find out like this when it's already happening. Like, what the hell, mom? I thought we had like an open relationship, you yeah. know, like, what, what is this? Again, she had a side to her, like certain things she just wouldn't talk about, you know? So she went to surgery. Everything was fine. Uh, she came out. She didn't lose any hair. She went to chemo. I mean, like, everything was fine. And for three months, we were good. Everybody was happy. My grandma was able to stay because um, she needed somebody to come and take care of her, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it got really dark in the apartment in the sense of, like, I felt something was up because mm -hmm. nobody was talking. Nobody was saying anything. That is one of the things that... I try my best to be so open with people because it's fucked up when you know something is going on and nobody wants to tell you and you're just like, oh my God, come on, mm -hmm. man. I'm not fucking crazy. Like, what the hell, you know? And it's like they gaslight you or whatever or they just, uh Anyways, so this, I, I came back from high, I was in freshman year by this point. I came, I came back from high school, um, from school and there's a lady waiting for me in the living room. And, you know, she had that whole spiel, like, hi, my name is blah, 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 blah. I went off on that lady. I'm like, hi, my name is blah, blah, I'm like, <laughs> I was so mad. I'm like, why the fuck are you here? And my mom was like, don't talk to her like that. I'm like, no, I'm tired of seeing random people to um, come and introduce themselves. Like, what the fuck do you want? What are you going to tell me? You know? Yeah. And then my mom just like, she's like, I'm sorry. Uh, I got to go. And then she went to her room. And the lady was really nice. Like, I, I just kept cursing. I'm not like a type that goes off on people, but I was so tired of always seeing this random lady just wanting to talk to me. I'm like, what the hell? So um, she did. She told me, she's like, um, you know, your mom has about three months. I take it back. Oh my God. My uncle is the one that told me my mom had three months. The reason why I remember is because I was looking at a Christmas tree and, but this was beyond like Christmas. It was like February, but this yeah. was, we didn't even take our tree down until February. Um, and one of the lights was flickering and I can only focus on that light. When he was talking to me, it's like he was saying words, yeah. like things were coming out of his mouth, but I was just looking at the flickering light. And the lady is the one that actually told me the time frame. Um, 
I'm like, well, I'm done with this conversation. She's like, are you sure? Do you want to show me your art? Do you want to show me your poems? I'm like, I don't want to show you anything. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being <laughs> here and for telling me because obviously people are not going to tell. Nobody wants to share anything with me. I was being a smart ass. I was 15. Yeah. Teenager, you know? Um, and I knocked on my mom's door and I'm like, thank you for letting me know this way. I always appreciate this shit. And I just like walked away. And then um, I think she either got my grandma a hotel at night or she got something but my uncle and my grandma weren't there and she came into my room and we just talked and I don't remember what we talked about but it felt good whatever she said to me it felt good I was just so dissociated I didn't know what to do and uh, about a month later she's like hey I bought you a ticket to California you're moving to California. And I'm like, wait, what? So I wanted to be an actress, but she used that as an excuse. She's like, no, you're going to go to California. You're going to stay with a family friend named Alejandro. Um, you know, and I'm going to Colombia, and there's some herbs in the Amazon. They're very good and they've cured people. And, uh, and we're going to be fine. And around that time was like summer because I think I had ended my freshman year by then. Mm -hmm. uh, they said three months, but she ended up dying like six months later. Um, my dates are a little off now that I think about it. I'm like, okay, I'm trying to remember everything. Um, so I was like, okay. And I truly believed her. Like, I was like, oh, she's going to go to Columbia. She's going to get better. We're all going to be good. Um, I would have just squeezed her a little harder at the airport if I knew, you know? So we got to the airport. And those things that we never talked about when I was a kid and confessed to her stuff, we talked about finally. Mm -hmm. And she told me how wrong it was and how I need to speak up if something is, if I'm being mistreated or if I'm, something's happening to me. We brought up the teacher situation. Mm -hmm. She's like, don't ever let anyone treat you that way, blah, blah, blah. And no matter who it is, you call the police, you call an adult that you trust, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And I just looked at her and I was like, fuck. Is this really gonna be the last? No, this, I, no. This is not going to be the last time I'm going to see her. So, yeah, then I got on the plane. I came to California. I stayed with this person. And within a month, she was gone. And I didn't, I got into a fight with her the day before she passed away. Because um, I was angry because this person that she sent me to was not a really good person. It was all a facade that he gave the family. Mm -hmm. And I was mad and I'm like, mom, it's happening again. It's happening again. Why did you leave me with him? You know? And she's like, she couldn't take it. And she was very sick, obviously. Uh, she was uh, pretty functional toward, until the end. Mm -hmm. Like I said, she didn't lose her hair. She didn't, she lost a lot of weight, but she kept like that youthful look and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, she handed me the phone to my grandma and my grandma was like, mommy, like she's really sick right now. Like whatever you have to say, just say it some other time. I'm like, no, she told me to say it like when I feel it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I need to talk to my mom. And my grandma was like, no, she can't talk to you right now. And then um, the next day I went to school and I remember like around 11, um, I literally felt like something left my body. Like my heart, like it sunk and I looked up and the clouds and it was like really gray and I was like oh I feel like I lost something you know mm -hmm. so I walked to school and I mean I walked 
back to the apartment because the man wasn't there until like nighttime. So I was either left alone all day or whatever. Um, I got to the apartment and there was like one answer. There was a voicemail on the answering machine. Kids, there used to be answering machines back in the day <laughs> <laughs> where you would press play yeah. and then you would, you, would, you would play it. Um, I'm ancient. Anyways, um, so I press play and it was this random lady again. This message is for Marilyn. I just, uh, uh, unfortunately, your mom passed away this morning. Um, we're, um, she was from the funeral home. Your family's here. Not one motherfucker got on the phone to tell me anything. And I'm sorry I used that word, but I'm still pissed off about that. I have the decency to talk to me. I know you guys are in pain, but that's my mother. Yeah. I'm, I lost my mother. Mm-hmm. I understand you lost your sister. I understand you lost your cousin, but nobody could come to the phone and be like, mommy, let me talk to you. No, it was just a complete stranger again. And I remember I kept replaying it because I'm like, maybe if I replay it, I'll delete it. And then it will, it never happened. And it was, and everything I remember about that particular moment, I don't remember being in my body. It's like a third person. Like I was in the corner watching it happen, watching me replay that freaking voicemail. I don't know how many times. So at the time, um, a little dark. I was a cutter, you know, cell palmer. And um, I went to the bathroom and I just like slashed all my body. Um, I needed to feel something. Like not even the cuts were like, I couldn't feel anything. I was just completely numb. And I wasn't crying at all. I was just fucking shocked. And I sat down in the carpet for hours and the man came in. And the first thing he said is, oh shit, your mom died. Because he saw, like, my condition. Mm-hmm. No comfort. No, come here, let me give you a hug. Nothing. He served me a big glass of, like, whiskey or something. And he's like, here, have it. Um, and then he got on the phone, and he got to talk to my mom. And I took the phone away from him, and I cursed off my own. I was like, I can't believe you. You'll talk to him, but you you guys won't talk to me. Like, what the fuck is your issue? I don't know, half of the stuff I said. And then, and he was looking at me up and down as I'm on the phone. Mm-hmm. And then he he grabbed the phone, he hung it up. He's like, can you please go clean yourself up? Because now people are going to see you like that and they're going to think that I did it. Like no empathy, no nothing. And I went to the bathroom, whatever. And I took a shower. I sat down still, I had not cried. Like, I I didn't cry, I think, until, like, a month after my mom passed away, where, like, it was starting to hit me. Yeah. You know? Um, and within that month, I, I got into foster care. Um, the reason was because one of my friends knew that he was not being a very good person. Mm-hmm. And she reported it to the principal, and the principal was like, hey, what's going on? Um, I heard your mom passed away. Who are you staying with? And I'm like, oh, I'm just staying with a family friend. And she's like, you don't have any siblings? Where's your father? Where's your cousins, aunts, anything? I'm like, no, it's just me. And then that's when she called the police. And then they came and picked me up and I went to foster care. And he was happy about it. And what ended up happening is, side note, is when my this particular man, because my mom was like, everybody was in love with her. All the men wanted her. Like any man that would walk into her life just wanted her. Mm-hmm. And which is not a good thing, ladies, <laughs> because 
not they're motivated only by one thing you know they they don't truly want to take care of you they just want to fuck you basically you know um and he was her guide to um getting her life insurance together getting some other stuff that she was pulling out um i think i was supposed to get like one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars or something like that uh for college and yeah yeah but because she was so sick at the time that she was doing it and he would fly from la he lived here in la frequently like once a week he was really showing that he cared you know he even offered like i'll take her and just imagine this you know um he spoke to lawyers and everything and he would tell her translate for her because she couldn't even speak spanish sometimes either she was so sick you know even though she still looked really healthy Mm -hmm. um he ended up telling her that i was not allowed to be the first name because i'm a minor that she had to put his name first and then my name so he can take care of the money when she's when she passes well that ended up happening he was happy to get rid of me and he was so happy that i got into foster care he stole all the money and nobody has heard from him to this day. And in Colombia, he's not allowed to show up. Even his cousins are like, we'll fucking kill him. Like, it's that bad. Like, there's bad people out there. Oh, yeah, it's a hot mess over here. Um, <laughs> um, so- I'm like so, I'm angry. I cannot imagine. Here's the thing, though, Monica. Um, all that shit helped me back from my life a lot until this day i'm still struggling because there is a point where i feel that i can only live to a, I can only have life to a certain point because mm-hmm. if i'm happier or if i feel more success or if it, like i don't like i'm doing a doing her a dishonor oh i'm not mourning her or i don't feel comfortable and feeling happy and feeling good because i i find comfort in the uncomfy you know mm-hmm. even though i say like oh i'm so uncomfortable i don't like this like there is something that is a di- that's familiar oh yeah you know um so yeah he took all that and i mean there's more stories behind that uh like with my family and some of them forcing me to like look for him build a friendship with him because he has the money um it's like i hated them for doing that Mm -hmm. but at the same time i understand that it was a necessity my mom passed away how the fuck are they gonna take i mean they worked like it's not like they were like let leeching off no my family's not like that Mm -hmm. but it's just the opportunity to make that kind of money that she was able to send it's not the same so they panicked you know and of course it was her fucking money it was her insurance, life insurance, like she worked hard for this money mm-hmm. and to be taken away. So they were like, well, let's, let's play with the mean man or let's play with the villain. Like, let's play his game. And I'm like, no. And yeah, he ended up taking everything and I had a falling out with my family. Didn't speak to them for like over a decade. I spoke to my uncle Roger. I take that back. Cause that's my baby <laughs> boy right there. And my cousin, Joanna. Mm-hmm. But because um, they were always like on it, on it, on it. They would find me through fa- uh, MySpace at the time. They would, like, <laughs> they would find a way to like find me, you know. Yeah. And I was always close. Like my cousin Joanna's like my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and my uncle Roger's like the father I never had. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so with them, I just, and it was never about money with them. It was never like, they never, they were always open. They reminded me a lot of my mom. Like 
just the way they like handled things, you know. Um, but right now I'm building a relationship with them. And now I understand that her legacy is to have raised me so that generational trauma doesn't. And it did. And it's, it's going to die with me because I refuse to allow this to continue. You know, um, I believe love is the most important thing. Love doesn't cure everything. Love doesn't make everything good, but it is the best emotion, the best thing that we can offer to each other as human and forgiveness. And the thing about forgiveness is that you're not really just forgiving the person. You're letting it go, you're forgiving yourself, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and it's so beautiful now talking to like my uncles and my cousins, especially my grandma, just opening her world up to different things. And she's so open to it. Mm -hmm. She wants, I mean, she, she lost her daughter and her grandmother. I mean, her granddaughter, you know? Um, the only good thing is that I'm still alive. So I was able to come back into her life. Um, but now our conversations, they're so pure. They're so progressive. They're so, and I love her questions and I love how she interacts with me and how she wants to know more. And it's, and that is all due also to the fact that when my mom, the reason why she went to Columbia to pass away, she knew that I wasn't going to be there, um, is because she knows that if I would have gone to Columbia with her, they wouldn't allow me to come back. Oh, my uncle Roger wouldn't know that that happened. He's told me this to this day. He's like, fuck no, you were 16. I was not going to let you go to that country all by yourself. You would have figured it out in your adulthood, but no. And my mom knew. My mom, and I was really mad at her for quite some times, but I understand the sacrifice she made. She made the decision that my daughter is better off here, staying in this country, than going back to ours. Even if it meant that you guys weren't going to see each other again. So, like this entire time, you're talking about your mom, like just from the very beginning, as the story goes on, I'm like, wow, wow. I'm just like kind of in awe. Like, you speak of her so highly. And I, to me, I'm like, I, this is a woman that I, I, I would have wanted to meet. Yeah. And so, <sighs> she lives through me. And I have to remind myself of that. Sometimes yeah. I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, there you are. And she always makes sure to show herself. Not like in her form. Yeah. But there's, you know, it's like kind of, did you record that part about Starbucks? I and did, yeah. Part, yeah. There's always a way that she's like, I'm here. I promise you I'm here. So it's difficult even having all that because I even within that, I feel lucky. You know, yeah. I do feel her so, she's so present. She's with me. But at the same time, it's still like, well, I can't touch you, so I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't hurt you, so I'm mad. <laughs> you know, I would love to give you a big hug. So, no, nah, that doesn't count. <laughs> I don't care. You can show yourself in a heart or you can show yourself with your nickname. No, nah, that's not what I want. <laughs> I want you next to me. But, you know, that's not, that's not possible. So... For all my life, I'm always going to have a little part of me that's never going to be satisfied with no matter what I do with my life, you know? And I think that's one of the biggest motivations why I didn't have children. Um, well, there's other reasons, but 
I just, I can't, I can't bring a child into this world and not know what the fuck is going to happen to it, you know? And I, it's silly in a sense because like, okay, but what if something amazing happens or I'm like, no, I'd rather help the ones that are already here because being in the foster care system, <laughs> I, I would love to talk about that. So I want to foster. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to have any kids of my own. Yeah. Um, I already had surgery for it. Mm-hmm. I made it a permanent thing because I knew that's what I wanted. I'm similar boat. I don't want to bring a child into this world. That's my, that's my choice that I've had that decision for a very long time. Yeah. And literally the only thing stopping me right now from fostering is I, I live alone and I don't have that extra bedroom. Like that's like the biggest thing. I just don't have that space but I really want to do it. And so it was like, you're saying all this. I'm just like, wow. Like it just makes me want to help even more mm-hmm. because I like you're, I think you're the first person who's openly um, talked about being in the foster care system that I'm aware of. And so I, I like, I can't even fucking imagine. Um, are you comfortable kind of talking, Sorry, talking about that? There's somebody out there that's going to listen to this and that's, they're going to not feel alone. So that's why I'm, whatever you want to ask me, like I'm, I'm open. Um, well, how's your care? Um, I was one of the lucky ones because I was only there for about a year and a half. I emancipated very quickly. Mm-hmm. I got my own place and I was like, I'm out. Um, Unfortunately, for teenagers, uh, it's no bueno. I think I went through like whew, 10 homes in like six months, seven months. Because, mind you, I was a good girl too. Like, I, I, you know, I would get sassy when I had to, but I was not, I never talked back. Mm-hmm. I never, like, I didn't do any of that stuff. Um, it was due to like me not going, I'm not wanting to go to church. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, we don't want her here. Or me having my own thoughts, my own opinions about things no we don't want that here so it was like always like these stupid little reasons why they didn't want me there so they were just like okay well we're just going to give you two. And my social work worked so hard all oh, rachel pobrecita man Whew. and the thing is like i i always had like a mature way i had a way of talking to adults because of how my mom spoke to me so adults felt comfortable talking to me about their own craziness. Wow. And to this day, people still talk to me about their own craziness. And I'm like, okay, hi, what's your name? You know? <laughs> like, I don't know. There's something about you. I just want to talk to you. I'm like, go ahead. Because crazy. Oh, I'm very familiar with that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she would have like 15 kids in one day that she needed to go see. I mean, these people are overworked. And she's like, she couldn't connect with any of them really because she would be in there, make sure they were being fed make sure that they have somewhere to sleep and then that's it. And then go, not because she wanted to do that. It's because she needed to like, uh, what does it fulfill her, uh, her, uh, what's that word? Duty. Yeah. Like her duty, but her like, yeah. um, daily, uh, Quote, duties what? or daily. Quota? It's going to come. It's going to pop. It's okay. going to be like two in the morning and the word's going to pop up. <laughs> in my head. It's like, that's what I meant to say. Anyways. Um, <laughs> but Rachel would tell me, yeah, like it's, it's that she hated that. It's like, it's all about just, do you have a bed? Do you have food for them? And that's it. It's like they don't focus on like what's their mental health. How are these parents treating them? Like what kind of like stimulation are they giving them? Like do they care about putting them in sports and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of these people, unfortunately, or POC, 
and it was obvious they were doing that for the money because mm-hmm. they would have a house and have like five foster kids and there was no family orientated like nothing it was like they were all on their own but they were taken care of because yeah. so it's like when i hear you say i have my apartment but i don't have a bed i'm like oh but you have something better which is the heart the soul like you want to help oh, like and that. it's specifically teenagers actually yes that's what i want because they get a sh- I like when I first not not to interrupt your story, but like when I first learned about the foster care system, I was 20 years old. I had no idea what the realities of it was. And when I learned about it, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm -hmm. And I think it was from that moment that that idea just kind of was born. And I specifically want teens because they have it the hardest. I mean, it's hard regardless, but it's like, I'm like, I feel like that's where I can make the most impact. Also because I'm not like good with little kids. I'm feeling like kind of a little awkward. I'm like, Hey, what's (laughs) up? How you doing? But, um, also if you're not potty trained, no, (laughs) I can't, I can't, I wouldn't even help with my, like my sister's kids. Like when they had like, Oh, can you toss this diaper in the garbage? No. (laughs) So, um, anyways, yeah, continue. (laughs) No, you're right. It's not that it's harder. It's, It's, I think it's more difficult for teenagers because they do have a sense of independence. They have their own thoughts and stuff. Kids, unfortunately, can be manipulated, so, which is horrible within itself. But teenagers are aware of what's happening and they're, they have their hormones and everything. It's just all kinds of fucked up, you know? And we were all in a nightmare when we were kids, when we were teenagers, you know, and yeah. <laughs> the combination of that and their living circumstances and not having anyone really to show them their way or like to actually act like they fucking care. Mm-hmm. I think it just, that's why they, the homelessness, you mm-hmm. know, prostitution, there's drug, oh my God, the drug epidemic and foster care system is huge. And it's like, they sell it amongst each other. They get it. It's just, it, and it's all the teenagers. And like I said, I was only there for a year and a half. And it was like, whoa, I can't imagine some of these kids were there from infancy, you know? Yeah. And a lot of them still have their parents. So that's another thing that I'm like, oh, God, I got to count my blessings. I really do. Because as bad as it is, I've always, also, I've had a lot of good luck with, just things, you mm-hmm. know, um, the way they work out. Um, but yeah, the foster care system is very flawed. And that's why um, I'm gonna make a little political statement. These pro-lifers, mm-hmm. like your uh, motivation and your concentration is going to the wrong thing. If you really care about life, why don't you care about the actual life that's living in this moment that needs your help? Because mm-hmm. that's all they fucking care about is like just... After they're born, you don't care anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's the hypocrisy behind it. It's just, it's unbelievable. And it's funny because I've talked to my grandma about this and I would think that she would be like, oh my God, you're going to hell. Yeah. For thinking and being pro, uh, not pro, like, sorry. Um, um, Pro-worship? Pro-choice. No, pro-choice or whatever, you know? No, she's like, she agreed with me. She's like, yep, yep, yep. We need to focus more on the kids that are alive. Like, you know, it doesn't count. And I'm like, wow, if you hear yourself like 20 years ago talking like that, she's like, no, I feel like women, we really haven't had many rights, huh, mija? And I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no, we need that we haven't. And then we get into these conversations like she's starting to see things. Because mm-hmm. she was so used to a certain kind of lifestyle, like I said at the beginning, like 
I'm so used to chaos or pain or this, that there's comfort in that. Yeah. So when somebody truly loves me or wants to comfort me or wants to be there for me, I fucking freak out, you know? And I think it's a lie and I sabotage it and I push it to the side and I don't give it any energy because ill, I don't know what you're giving me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even though I'm aware of it. It's like my brain is aware of what it's doing, but it's still doing it. Yeah. Um, but I have a great set of friends that are like, oh, okay, Marilyn, you're doing that thing. <laughs> and that's another thing, like even re- like uh, relationships, like romantic relationships. I'm just, I, I, you know, I feel like, yeah, I, I, I can't give you anything. So I'm not even going to try. And it's not that I, I don't want to eventually, you know, if it happens, it happens. But I just, I, I, I can't, I'm not good right now. So I can't be good to you. Mm-hmm. I, there's no way you can have a relationship with somebody if you're not okay with yourself. Like I, I guess me, I mean, for me personally, I don't know, but um, I get that. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I don't want to fuck you up. You know what I mean? Like I already fucked up a whole bunch of my exes because of like how messed up I was, you know? And I just don't want to spread that. I don't want, I don't want to spread pain to anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. Um, I want to be very aware that whoever's next to me, feels validation and love and if i'm able to give it to you then i will give it to you a hundred times but if i feel like no i'm not going to subject you to it Mm -hmm. because then you're going to see my other side and it's not too pretty you know yeah um but yes um eventually um i would love to foster too um i definitely want to adopt Mm -hmm. because i do want a family um in the sense that i feel like being a parent is like the most important job in the it's world. It's the hardest it's job. It's the hardest, the most important thing. You have to realize that you're raising human beings mm-hmm. and eventually you're going to put them out there into the world. And depending on how, what you inflicted on them or how you taught them to live or how you taught them to be around people, how to treat people, mm-hmm. that's what they're going to do when they're out there. Mm-hmm. And that's very important because that's why we're so fucked up. Yeah. There's these parents <laughs> becoming parents they are not ready to be parents. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they haven't dealt with their own trauma. They haven't dealt with their own shit. And then what ends up happening is that kids go to foster care or they have these really horrible relationships. Being a parent is, my God, the most important job and the hardest job anybody can possibly have. Mm -hmm. And just taking that on and not being responsible on where you are in life. Not even financially. Like, I feel like financially you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, emotionally, psychologically. You know, if you're not in the right place, you're going to raise children. They're not going to be in the right place. And you're just going to create this whole cycle that's not going to end. Yeah. You know, but people don't think that now if you like abort a fetus, that's oh my God, you're going to hell. It's like you're focusing on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You're focusing on the wrong thing, you know, but um, I do uh, do volunteer work overseas so that's another thing i try to tell people like if you can't foster if you can't adopt like there's other ways of doing it mm-hmm. um i'm gonna go to ghana in february for oh, about wow. 21 days yeah um for child care i went to um asia about three years ago before the pandemic maybe a year before the pandemic two yeah. years before the pandemic um and what we do is we go there it's not about religion i'm not doing mission a missionary work <laughs> I'm not no, I'm doing this as a human being. Like, I don't have to manipulate you and tell you, hey, believe in my God, and then I'll help you. It's like, anyway, that's another topic. 
<laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I'm there to help you. I don't care what you believe in. I'm there to make it like better for you because I'm using my privilege, you know, mm-hmm. because I fucking love you because I want you to have a good life. You know, like I want to help as much as I can. Yeah, I can't fix shit. You know, I wish I could with a snap of a finger, mm-hmm. but I can only do one thing at a time, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to Ghana. Um, and what we do is childcare. So in the daytime, um, when the moms are out, the parents are out working, yeah. we take care of the kids, we teach them English, we play with them and all that jazz. And then that's, oh my God, it's so much oh fun. Oh my God. You want to know happiness? That. that is. Those kids are happy. Like take, strip away iPads, social media. Like we think we are living like top notch material, material, money, money, money. You go to these countries or to any place where um, it, it, cause it can happen here too. I mean, yeah. people are poor here in this country too. But when all this bullshit material stuff is stripped away from you or not, or you don't grow up in that, you find little ways to entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's so much fun. When we, uh, when I went to Cambodia, mm-hmm. These kids were so excited to give us something or teach us something because we were, you know, teaching them English. We were playing with them. They're like, they didn't have much. So they went and got grass and put a little production for us. And they would put the grass in their mouth and start playing. And they were on beat. They were like, <laughs> they were like whistling, like playing with the grass. And they were doing like Rihanna. They were doing like whatever yeah. music was like playing at the, at the time. We were all sitting there like. This, this moment right now, this. And they were so happy to give us that. Yeah. And then when we were asking them to teach us, teach us how to like put it in our mouth and like how to whistle and we couldn't get it, their giggles were like the best. Yeah. Because they're like, oh my God, we are giving you something that you don't have. You know, like yeah. they always, because these people are so grateful. Yeah. You know, and they just, it just kind of reminds me of when, like, when I was in Colombia, like everybody was outside, we were playing grass we were playing with mud we were like sticks sticks like any little thing um hide and go seek yeah like it was i think what's happening unfortunately with um at least for me i don't know like i said i didn't grow up with a family like i that kind of like latino latino latina latina x whatever um thing that uh, we kind of have here like we always have cousins uncles and mm-hmm. i didn't grow up with that so but I miss the sense of community and tribalness and how we help each other. How, I mean, that can also be bad because everybody's a chismoso, you know, and they're like, <laughs> and everybody's business, you know, but at the same time, I feel like I miss that. And I think that's why I was so happy when I was in Colombia for those two and a half years because I didn't have that here. So when I went there, like the neighbors know each other, like sometimes they would close off the streets. And just start dancing in the middle of the street and nope, no, the police wouldn't come. Or if they did, they're like, they would join in. Yeah. Or everybody watched over each other's kids. Um, it was just pure happiness. And it all has to do with their no distractions of what's the best thing, what's the latest thing, what can I do? What you know, how can I seem on social media? How can you know all this facade? I was like, no, I wanna be that happy again. I miss that. And I think it's the sense of like not having community here. Mm-hmm. Some people don't even know who their neighbors are. You can yeah. go to the grocery store and you can bump into them. You have no idea that they live like seven feet away, mm-hmm. you know? 
And I'm guilty of that too, because sometimes I just put my head down. Yeah. Avoid, avoid, avoid. I'm I'm, I'm totally guilty of that. However, when I am in Mexico, it's so much different. It's like I I open up to others walking down the street. Hola, buenas tardes. I don't know who the fuck you are, but hey, hola, como estas? And, I, and they don't ignore you. They're they don't. Like, oh, I'm Like, come here. Like, yeah. they'll give you some random stuff. Or I miss that. I miss that so much. That's why I always say, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna retire in Colombia. I I'm retiring. In I think about living, going, moving to Mexico. Yeah, me too. I've really thought about that the past year a lot. Are we genderifying our our own countries? You know what? (laughs) If we were born there, we're just going back. I mean, it's uh, there's layers to everything. There, there are layers to everything. But um, oh wait, where do I want to go with this? Oh, you were talking about coincidences, and then there was something that I thought of. It's in there, Mia. It's in there. I have a little man named Jose in my brain, and I told him to go to my files. And I'm like, pick up the file. You know what? I can't think of it, but if I do, I'll bring it up. But there was just something that you mentioned about coincidence, coincidences that really popped up in my head, but I can't think about it. Did so. you know the word coincide comes, uh, coincidence comes from a mathematical term that's not the same definition as how we take it in the English language? A coincidence, when you think of coincidence, you think of like, by accident. Yeah. Right? Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. But in mathematical terms, it's, uh, I think it's an algebra thing or I'll make a, I don't know if I'm fucking it up, but um, <laughs> it's basically when two angles fit perfectly together, not by accident, but because that's how it was supposed to be. But we went ahead. So it's coincide. So we went ahead and we defined it as, oh, coincidence just means it was an accident. And the root of it is no accident. So any coincidence is not an accident. I love that. Yeah. Oh shit! Don't worry, no, I fucking love Google. <laughs> that is one of the best things ever. I was gonna get something. Um, I was gonna get a tattoo set that says um, I googled it because you you literally have like not all the answers, but anything you can a lot think of, of information. Just, like, I find yeah, I find myself. Oh, what's this? Oh shit! Let me yeah, Google and it. Yeah, you Google it, and then you go into this rabbit hole. You're like, oh, and language is so beautiful. So. Okay. <laughs> um, one of the things I wanted to get back to is I believe you're the second person who mentioned it, but I've never really kind of delved into it, as you mentioned earlier, self-harm. Oh. So the reason I want to bring it up is because I also have a history of self-harming. Um, and so I kind of got emotional like with that part, hearing oh. that, because I remember like the first time that – or one of the first times that I saw someone with visible self-harm scars, I just remember – feeling this sense of just these these strong emotions because I'm like, I know what kind of mindset you were in to have done that to yourself. And I'm sorry that you had to do like you were in that position because it's one of the things there's this book called um, cutting by, Ooh, he's a psychiatrist. I can't remember the name, um, but I remember reading it because I don't know if you've ever had conversations about it with other people, but yeah. it's super fucking taboo. And I never f- understood the perspective of someone else that doesn't self-harm until I read that book. And it was it, 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 the way that it was written. It was like doing something that just doesn't make sense. It's like grabbing this cup of coffee and just spilling it upside down. You're going to be like, 
why I don't understand. And so that book put it in perspective to me as like, it's just something that they genuinely don't understand. And so that's actually one of the harder things for me to talk about Mm -hmm. because I don't know how people are going to respond. Um, right now, most of my, my scars are covered up by tattoos mm-hmm. and, um, I recently wore, cause most of them are on my thighs and I recently wore, um, or like I, I wore like a bikini bottom and okay. it was, <laughs> it was so fucking weird because I was so used to like not showing it off. I felt so exposed. I, even though they're mostly covered, I feel so exposed yeah. because I know that they're there, even though it's been so many years, mm-hmm. they're still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what else was I going to say with that? But I remember I was always hiding in. I always like my sister one time saw it through my pants and was like, Oh, did Rocky do that? Our dog. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, totally. Sure. No, I was mm-hmm. no, like just the stupidest reasons to come up with like, so no one would know mm-hmm. that I did it. And to this day, I actually, um, so on my arm, my left arm, I, I usually carry it like at an angle mm-hmm. because before I had my um, my tattoos, I would walk around like this so that no one would see it. Mm-hmm. And so to this day, I find myself holding things specifically in my left arm so that I can have that angle. Like my natural ang- my natural positioning for my left arm is not extended out. It is Um, held up to my body Mm -hmm. and I haven't done it in a really long time but it's something that recently I I had these like really strong emotions Mm -hmm. and my brain went to that my brain Mm -hmm. was like do it and it was just like I haven't had that in so long time that I was like wow I was thinking about like how it was and how it felt I'm like I don't want to do that anymore Mm -hmm. I was like that's not I've also worked really really hard to not be in those negative spots where I'd go for those bad behaviors yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but I kind of wanted to share that little part of my story just because yeah. I don't really meet too other people, too many other people that openly talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle with talking about it because I've gotten responses like, oh, you cut yourself? Yeah. And that's hard. Like, how do you respond to that? In yeah. a sense, like, well, for me, I'm not a very um, – confrontational person like yeah. when you were talking and like when you were talking to like these random like not these random people but like when you're talking to these people and being sassy to them mm-hmm. I can't do that I'm very like a lot more quieter most of the time and so especially then like I didn't know how to respond to people it made me feel very ashamed for have doing have done that and I have had a friend who one time we were talking about it and, and he goes yeah I, I just don't know how to bring it up in a way that's comfortable or um that makes you feel bad and so i've gotten such a different variety of responses that it's it it was always really hard for me to talk about but i don't want to be like that anymore if like someone i if someone sees it like some of them are kind of visible if you really look at it so if the conversation comes up i'm a lot more open to talking about it Mm -hmm. because it's something that again trauma happens and my brain needed to feel something and in that moment that was better than feeling whatever it is that was feeling mm-hmm. um so there's that and I don't know how to go on from that <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I didn't want to interrupt you but I did want to bring up a, a, a couple of points this okay so let's not make it taboo let's start here all right, all right let's, 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 let's talk it. about it <laughs> let's talk about it um I think uh like with everything else everybody does it for different reasons um 
you said that uh, it's because you wanted to feel a different kind of pain that you were. It was. I can. I I've thought about it, and the reasons I was doing it is because I had so much emotions going on. I didn't know what to do, and that was in a way was releasing those emotions. I remember feeling. Um, trigger warning, I guess I should say that, but like, I remember as soon as the blood started to come out, I just felt this huge relief. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a high, right? Yes. High, yeah. Right? And it's so crazy to think about like, if and that was my cutting was myself, my form of self-harm, but like, there's also burning. I can't do burning, yeah, can't but do there's it. other people that can do <laughs> it. Like, horrible, like, yeah. oh, no, no, no. Oh my well, God. Which, which is so crazy. But like, that was, that sort of pain was not pain to us. It was a form of it was coping. Yeah, definitely. And um, go ahead. With, with me, I love seeing my scar heal. Yeah. Because I, I couldn't heal inside. So as I saw the scar healing, I'm like, okay, I can heal. A lot of times yeah. I did it too because I wanted to know if I was alive. Yeah. I didn't feel anything. Yeah. And I literally feel like I was just like a piece of meat. So having my brain feel that pain or at least inform me oh my god you're in pain mm-hmm. it was like okay it's a pain that i can control yeah not the other pain i'm but, doing that to myself no yeah, one or nothing nobody, else yeah. is hurting me i'm in control mm-hmm. you know um and then it becomes addicting yeah it becomes like you're chasing that high mm-hmm. because it, it i mean this is gonna sound kind of bad but in the moment it did feel very good yeah like just doing what i had to do and then the feeling that comes afterwards, like the achiness, like all that, like talking about it, I'm like salivating. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Hi, my name is Marilyn and I have a problem. <laughs> no, but um, ah, it's just, it's it, it was, it's just your brain remembering comfort and there's nothing wrong with it. And this is something that actually happens more often than people even know. Because when I was doing that, I didn't even know it was a thing. I'm saying. I had no idea that people did that. I thought it was just fucking batshit crazy. I'm like, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. you're crazy. We're just going to keep this to ourselves. So mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of like hidden people do it where nobody's going to question you or going to ask you like, hey, you know. And for those that do do it because they want the attention. Well, it's because they're desperate to feel like they matter and there's nothing wrong with that either because even within that i don't know i'm gonna call it community um there's like "Ah, but at least i hide mine Ah, but you know what i mean it's like cool everybody does everything for different reasons you know and i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna shame you for doing it the way you do it it's like yeah like the the whole burning yourself like i I, i'm like wow that's really intense like cutting yourself is not intense I would never cross that line. Okay, but you will literally <laughs> rip your skin apart. Like, how? What? And that's, I don't, I used to hide them because I didn't want to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, because, uh, you know, like you said, your friends, like, they don't know how to talk about it. I mean, how do you, even me being one of those people, like, how do you even tell, comfort somebody that's doing that, you know? And that's one of the things is like, it's just like addiction. Like, we, are gonna have to just live with it for the rest of our lives and know how to control it. I still have thoughts to this day. Yeah. Where it's like something goes down, like something horrible happens, and oh, I just wanna, I just wanna have that feeling of like, ah, uh, like it literally is like a high. And yeah. Then, no, I don't because I'm learning to respect my temple. You know. Yeah. This is my temple, like fuck. Everybody has spit on it. Everybody has been treated it. Not everybody, but. 
No, it's like I want all this control, and I'm focusing the control on the wrong, uh, on the wrong subject. It's like, oh shit, let me have control over my temple. Like I am not gonna treat myself that way. It's the first one of the first things when I start getting those like urges to do it. It's like, no, what the fuck? I'm not gonna like graffiti my body. I mean, tattoos are different. But you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, I don't know. Like, it's just like, no, it gets to a point where it's like, fuck, let me love myself. Let me see how this feels. You know, like, let me see. Let me, let me give this good old college try, you know? And then it starts feeling good when you're like, no, I like myself more. I want to share something. So recently, um, the whole, when I put on that like bikini and was like, not afraid Mm -hmm. in a sense, um, I wrote something and I said, Dear body of mine, I haven't always treated you with the care and respect you deserve. I've caused you harm. I hated you. I scarred you. I judged you. I always asked why you couldn't look like this or that person. I asked why you couldn't be perfect. I hated you. But I've grown now and I realize all the good you've done for me. I'm learning to love and appreciate you in a healthier way. Thank you, dear body of mine, for your love and patience. Hey, hey, hey. It's like kind of just what you were talking about right now. Like we're Mm – what's another reason why I don't go back? Like – um. I think only once or twice this year, I actually had that thought where I genuinely had that thought. And it wasn't just a fleeting moment. It was like a, but do it kind of thing. And I, fuck, where am I going with that? I don't know. No, 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 it's, it's, it's beating your brain to it. Cause that's the thing. There's something called like the five second rule. Like when you don't feel motivated or something, and this goes for what we're talking about too. It's like, just count backwards to like one and then just do it like just get up and do it like don't allow your brain to take over your this is the weirdest thing it's like your brain is doing it to herself but it's also like doing something to not have it do it to itself it's like it's the craziest thing but it's be it to it like Mm -hmm. understand it be empathetic with it understand why you have those thoughts switch it Mm -hmm. love yourself like it's just it's a daily thing it's not like the movies that you're gonna get it within an hour and a half and everybody's gonna be happy and oh my god you're cure and you can save the world and beautiful things right no this is gonna be a lifetime thing mm-hmm. choose you before anything else and i another thing that i actually helps me is i'm obsessed with ice i love ice really I love ice so much grab a piece of ice mm-hmm. hold it in your hand until you can't hold it anymore and trust me, those thoughts will go away. I've heard of because you're gonna be like, like ah, 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 ah. yeah, <laughs> and then your brain's gonna be like, oh my god, something's going on in the hand. Let's go help. Let's go. Help. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then all of a sudden, you just you forget, mm-hmm. and then you move forward. Don't deny it. At this point, like I don't hide mine. People don't ask me anymore. Mm-hmm. I think because it's been last time I did it was about ten years ago mm-hmm. after a really bad breakup. Um, but I don't have – I think it's uh, Johnny Depp that says that – because he, he self-harmed too. Um, he said something like – I'm paraphrasing here, but he said something like, no, I refuse to hide them because it's like milestones in my life. It reminds me of where I was and how I am now, mm-hmm. you know? And I was going to get them covered up because a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some that are covered up. But the ones in my arms, I just keep looking at them. And I'm like, I remember. That's okay. Look at where we are now. You know what I mean? You have to parent yourself. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is like we have to be our own parents if we don't have any other choice. But fuck, it's like 
No, we need to love ourselves. We need to take care of ourselves. Like I'm an emotional eater. I love food. It's like instant gratification. Oh, yeah. I love it. But, you know, I'm getting to the point where it's like, I like to feel good. I like to be confident. Yeah. I love, like, it's actually a good feeling. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, okay. So, and that's another thing about, like, you know, having trauma or whatever is that when you see the opposite side, you're like, he had no idea that you can feel that way. Like yeah. you can feel that good and then you start feeling guilty and all that stuff but it's okay it's a process just let it happen but continue keep doing it keep doing it until you fucking get it mm-hmm. like i'm not there yet but every time i have a moment i'm like no <laughs> i refuse <laughs> i'm like stop it stop it you're not gonna beat me to this Marilyn. yeah that is your past i'm in charge now i'm sorry that you still feel that pain there's too much good out there for you to like just let it consume you. Yeah. Another year, another month, another day. Like, come on, let's keep going. Let's just keep going. Like, have your moment. Come on. We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. You know? Fuck it. If there's anything out of our pain that we can like can be a positive thing, it's like, how many people are gonna listen to this and be like, oh my God, I felt this way? Or like every time your eyes brighten up when I bring something up or when you bring something up and I'm like, oh my God, you know, like you don't feel alone. You're like, wow. That's the best thing I can advise. It's never going to go away. Stop pretending like it will be. Yeah. It's going to be part of us. Yeah. But just love yourself and Mm -hmm. say no. Say no to drugs, but say no to cutting. (laughs) You know, like say no, that's it. It's no, you know, whatever this demon or whatever, not literally, I'm not speaking but like whatever you want to call this like darkness that Mm -hmm. lives within us that's never ever going to go away either because that's just part of us you know Mm -hmm. like no don't let it overrule everything anymore it's not in charge anymore Mm -hmm. it doesn't it's not you you are you you do you you know and that's it move forward fuck it no i refuse to do that to myself anymore and i think about like think about if it's somebody you love Mm -hmm. Would you want somebody to cut them? Would you want somebody to harm them like that? Fuck no. Mm -mm. I would throw down. I would not kill the person. But you know what I mean? Like, I would do some major harm. Like, I would never. So why don't you think that about yourself? You know, and it's like, it's so easy for us to forget about us. Mm -hmm. But no, I think that's the biggest problem in the world. Think about yourself, ladies and gentlemen. And everything in between. You know? So, (laughs) yes. I'm very proud of you, by the way, because I know that's really hard. I'm to be proud like, of you. We're you. proud of both. We're proud we're of each other because. But yeah, no, no, no. Just, just remember, it's like, no, no. This is my temple. This is my temple. No, 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 no. I'm not gonna do that. To myself. Yeah. I'm not gonna become that that hurt me. You know, because we are our own worst enemies if we allow it to happen. Yeah. The shit that I fucking tell myself when I'm like depressed. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Now, if I heard it out loud, somebody saying that to my best friend. Kill them. <laughs> be like, and who do you think you are? You know, yeah. it's like, so why don't we do that for ourselves? So just keep moving forward. That is, we're a product of our environment in that mm-hmm. sense that we constantly get told that we have to be like this or that, look like this or that, mm-hmm. and so we we internalize that. Absolutely. And so we're literally having to work through that and not listen to other voices in that sense and just because they're projecting their own insecurities onto us see mm-hmm. there's i feel like people fall in the category mm-hmm. either they're bullies and they project 
mm-hmm. they want you to feel like they fucking feel, so they cause harm, which is the people that cause us harm. Or you're an empath. You understand. You take it all in. You keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Or you analyze everything. And from all that rot, that ugliness, mm-hmm. I call it compo- uh, com- uh, composing. Or wait, am I com- compost? Right? Compost, yeah. You know, when you like get your food and it's rotten. Composting. And, yeah, yeah, composting, yeah, yeah. And it's rotten and you just like put it in a tub and you just let it sit there for a while. And eventually, what does it become? Something it, good, positive. Yeah. Wow. Like, like life. It, it gives life. You know, the thing is like out of all the fuckery that's ever happened to anybody, we can turn that around Mm -hmm. and see how the gift that has brought, if we can see, if we can switch our perspectives, you Mm -hmm. know, that that not only opened your mind, but has opened your heart and your spirit or whatever you want to call it. The change that you can do in the world because Mm -hmm. you know it, Mm -hmm. because you've experienced it is phenomenal. You know, it's all about how you see things. Mm-hmm. And trust me, this is not, I'm just, I'm talking right now. And I do have days that I don't believe myself. But I have to keep thinking about that compost. You know, it's yeah. like, it's all rotten. It's all, it looks nasty and everything. But eventually, there's going to be worms. The The dirt is going to be so pure and good that you can plant anything that's going to flourish. It's just going to abundance of fruit. You know what I mean? I love that so much. So I literally just came up with that. So Maryland, that's nice. Like, that's deep shit. Like, that is some deep shit. Oh my god, the crime be like, I gotta go take care of my doggies and then completely forget. Honestly, <laughs> like literally, I'm gonna walk out of here. I'm like, uh, I don't know what we talked about, but that's one of the great <laughs> things is having getting the chance to go through this yeah. these conversations again. It's so nice because like so many people have so many beautiful things to say yeah. that I kid you not, just I haven't even done this with like that many people Uh but doing that like my perspective has already i've already gained a better perspective i've like Mm -hmm. feel like i'm already more empathetic we're more alike than we think we are yeah and that's what i love because i i honestly i did not know what i was getting into when i started this Mm -hmm. but it's turned into something that's not only healing for myself which you know i was thinking that was going to happen but it's just I'm if I'm getting that I'm like that is my goal is for other people to get that as well and just feel like they're not alone but also gain perspective and and just be like shit like gain this positivity because there's so much negativity going on like how I said I was like I don't want to add to that yeah. I want to I want something positive to come out of this and if it literally just turns out to be me and you like that is already good enough I'm for me that is already good enough for me yeah, and yeah. i love it because it's just like literally strangers we haven't even known each other for like two hours or barely two hours and we're already ha- i don't know I, it's just a beautiful thing to me God, they call strangers. <laughs> exactly <laughs> i wish i had that voice i will we'll see i've never see, I've look never, at me being harsh on myself <laughs> i've never tried it welcome Welcome yeah, you know, to Cafe have... with Strange. Oh my God. What the hell is that? You know, no, <laughs> practice is so sexy. It's like, oh, yeah. Hello. Welcome yeah, to Cafe with Strangers. It just, I don't know. That sounds weird. I think too fast. <laughs> and sometimes I trip on my words and then I mix words. And, you know, I've gotten touched so many times. I'm like, I definitely have some kind of ADD. No, I was diagnosed with uh, multiple PTSD and dissociation disorder. Okay. So my quote unquote PTSD. Um, 
um, ADD situation, I don't know if that's the right term anymore, is not that I, I, I can't focus, it's that I dissociate. Gotcha. And it's like, it can be random. Nothing can be happening. Yeah. And I just like go into the zone. And it's not like a zone where it's like, um, you know, when you stare at nothing and you just kind of get lost. No, mine literally, I just like, I come out of my body. I've, I've had that. Like when you were talking yeah. about your, I, I get picture that because I dissociate too. Yeah. And I actually have one little story that I wanted to mention. Okay. So okay. the first time that I remember dissociating that, I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, this is weird. Like, what the hell's going on? Um, we had just gotten back. I think I was like 19, 20 years old. And I remember we were coming back from a show with some friends. We were walking in this alley. We've been there it so many times before. We were going to a yogurt shop. And I just remember just not feeling okay. I just felt something was really weird. And we went to the yogurt shop. And I remember we were sitting down. The table was right in front of me. My yogurt was right in front of me. I felt like I was looking through some lens. Yeah. And I was like, I cannot feel my body. Yep. I was not in my body. I was like looking. It's like a movie scene. Yeah. When they have like binoculars or whatever. It's a movie scene and you're looking like that's that that was that's the scene. And that's how it felt. And that is one of the more intense ones that I've had. But um, when we were walking back past that alley, I just dropped to my knees. <gasps> scary it's it's, it's so scary, scary it's to not scary. know what's not going aware, on yeah if you're not aware of what the hell's happening yeah it's well this is weird to say but lucky for me i guess <laughs> is that i've had it for so long that i don't remember when it started like sometimes i feel like oh it started when this happened but then i'm like no but then i remember something else i'm like oh no i was associating there yeah. too so it just became like a like a regular life thing but thinking about it like in the big picture like how scary is that that you feel like you're not even in your own body you completely just detach it's yeah. sort of like a balloon if you like let it go mm -hmm. and it just starts you know going up in the sky and it's like it's going slow enough where you feel like you can grab it but you can't because mm -hmm. it just keeps going it's, that's how i feel like i feel like like i'm trying to grab something and it's like because i'm like just leaving even yeah. though i'm there you like know, everything's like foggy and disoriented and the noise becomes very like yeah like i feel like this buzzing it's it's amazing what your brain will do to quote unquote protect you even when you're not even doing anything that's triggering you but it's just one of those things you know like you just recognize it you know when it happens i just kind of just stand there and i close my eyes i don't know fuck who's looking at me or i hate it when it happens when i'm talking to somebody and they're telling me a story or something important. And I'm like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. In my you head. feel like, it. But you can practice, like, if you're aware of it in the moment, practice just, like, bring yourself back. Like, those are the moments where I'll grab a piece of ice. Because mm -hmm. those are the moments, too, that I would, like, self-harm. Because I'm like, where am I, you know? Yeah. Um, grab a piece of ice, you know, uh, use your senses. Like, grab something that smells really strong, like coffee. Like, that's... um. Um, one of my therapists taught me how to deal like with my PTSD mm -hmm. is smell, you know, sound, touch, like find something that and, and go down the list of your senses mm -hmm. and make sure that you're touching every base, like every moment. What are you doing for touch? What are you doing for smell? What are, and if you have to tell somebody like, hey, I got to go and you go to the bathroom, you figure it out in the bathroom. You know what yeah. I mean? Those are the worst when you walk away from knowing because your legs feel very uh, 
like my legs feel like um, gelatin. Yeah. Like, they're just like, I feel like I'm just going to fall. Like, you know, like I can't keep my legs straight, but that's just, that's the best way I can. I mean, that's the best advice I can give people. It's just yeah. like, bring yourself, like figure something out, like touch, you know, like yeah. use your senses. Again, it's beating your brain to it. You know, it's, it's that constant thing. Like, yeah. no, I'm not going to let you control me. Well, I mean, I, you are a part of me, but that part of you that tries to control you yeah. like brings you back to the comfy that's not really comfortable. It's fucked up. That's the best thing. Oh, I was feeling it right now. I know, like, honestly. <laughs> it's, um, a for- I guess, fortunately, it's not significant where it happens I guess often, but mm-hmm. I notice that when it comes to difficult things or stressful things, I find myself doing it. Like when I have a lot of times during these recordings, when I'm talking about something a little more personal, more mm-hmm. intense, more something that I'm not like, it's just more intense. Um, I feel myself slightly dissociating. Like I, it's kind of like teeter tottering between like my brain wants to fully go in there and mm-hmm. just kind of have that. I think that's one of the reasons why I don't fully remember the conversations after I leave yeah. is because these are pretty intense conversations and my brain is like, oh, protection. Alert, alert, alert. alert. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. Do you remember about the coincidence part? No. Or, yeah, it's okay. You need to call me if you remember. <laughs> I'm so curious. I'm like, oh, I honestly, I, I just wrote down the word coincidence and I just – I just went over my head. Um, All right. Just because we're somewhat nearing towards the end, Mm -hmm. I wanted to continue kind of talking a little bit about mental illness. Um, So how was it like for you in terms of like you mentioned you've seen a therapist? Many. Many. (laughs) I've seen a couple too. I've, um, I've been in the, I've been in, I've been with a mental health professional one way or another for mm-hmm. over 10 years now, I think close to 12 years. And so um, it's not, it hasn't been easy always because I've, there's a lot of self-advocacy I've always had to do. And I've noticed that with a lot of other people, that's kind of been the same boat where mm-hmm. they've really had to put themselves out there to do it. So um, kind of like, how was your journey into getting into the mental health, getting mental health care? It's still going. I mean, I guess. <laughs> It's still going. Um, medication actually helped. Mm-hmm. I'm not on medication anymore. I kind of weird myself off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just me. Doesn't mean that's going to be for everybody. Or am I advocating not to take medication? Because I feel like medication did help me a lot. Um, the moment I realized the thing with medication is that it doesn't, it helps with the intrusive thoughts. And that's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice not to have to fucking think about every little bad thing that's ever happened, you know, or the self-hatred. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to deal with things. You don't have to make it so emotional or so like, it does not numb you. You still have emotions. You, you can still cry. You can still feel like mm-hmm. people think you become robotic. I'm like, what medication are you taking? Because that's not what I felt, you know? You've never felt that with any medication? Robotic, no. I've actually only felt that once, and that was somewhat recently. Mm-hmm. So see, that, that's why I'm very careful with how I I say things because it's just like a personal. Yeah, no, like, the reason like I never understood when people said that mm-hmm. until like experienced that, but it was after I was off that medication that I realized, oh, I mm-hmm. was I was like this 
and which I didn't like. And I, I advocated and I'm like, I don't like this drug. Let's move it. It was actually for my ADHD. We were trying mm-hmm. a non-stimulant medication, mm-hmm. um, Stratera. I can't ever pronounce it correctly. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, after that was like me being on and off of medications for 10 years and that was my first time experiencing it. So mm-hmm. some people just don't get it. Yeah. And, and I think about like um, mental um, illness or whatever people want to call it. Um, there's environmental and there's a uh, medical. And um, I believe medical is more like um, just stuff that you are already born with. And it just kind of intensifies with your environment. If unfortunately you're in an environment that doesn't like mm-hmm. not cater to it, but actually makes it better. You know, mine is more environmental. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the difference. And we have to be very careful with like talking to people about medication and stuff like that and why it works for some and doesn't work for others. Like for me, it worked because brain chemistry was just really off because of the trauma, mm-hmm. you know, and growing up in that and just like shit after shit after shit, you know what I mean? Helped. But if it's somebody that's just, it was, they were born that way, certain medications are going to have a reaction that's not going to be good for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So everything is individual. Um, obviously, talk to your doctor, see what works, be honest. Don't keep it to yourself. If you feel like something is happening, like you got to speak up right away. You know, um, I slowly got off of them. But when, when that was happening, I was feeling very weird. Mm-hmm. Like, robotic in a sense and i was like oh no no put me back put me back and, yeah. and she was like uh no i'm like we have to like you can't just like go back and forth with this like it'll fuck up your brain you know and eventually it went uh, like i was off of it i was always in very low doses a uh, mm-hmm. dosage um but now i'm completely out and i miss that feeling of not caring what people have to say about me or like making something small bigger or being overly critical of myself, I still have those, but because I felt the other side, I'm like, okay, I was able to bring it to my like non-medication life and mm-hmm. be like, okay, remember, you can do this on your own. But in the future, if I feel like something happens and I go back down, I, I'm open to the idea of taking medication, you know? That's not a common response that people give me. Really? Yeah. Huh. Most of the time people are are on the lean more towards the no yeah because so. there's shame to it there's taboo again oh my god you see a therapist oh my god you're taking medication i would you tell that to a cancer patient like will you tell a cancer patient oh my god why are you taking medication oh my god i'm like no you wouldn't fucking say that yeah. and it's just because you can't see it doesn't mean the person is not feeling that cancer you can see the person like slowly you know dying yeah and then people are like okay with medication but when it comes to somebody with their mental health well they can't see they can't touch it so why are you taking it you know it's and there's a shame to it too it's Mm -hmm. like why wouldn't you do something that would improve your livelihood like there there shouldn't be any shame and it's okay that you're not crazy because you're talking to a therapist you're fucking crazy if you're not and you continue living your fucking crazy evil life because a lot of people say that it's like, oh, I won't, I won't go to therapy because that's just gonna make me look crazy. You are crazy. We're all fucking crazy in our own ways, you know. Mm-hmm. Talking to somebody, communication is very healthy. Yeah. No matter what it is, talk about it, say it out loud. Because a lot of times, one of my best friends and I, we snap each other a lot, and mm-hmm. it's not even like to snap each other; it's to like hear the snap back. 
So we can be like, oh, I said that. You know what I mean? Because there's something about like using somebody or an object or like a recorder or something where you speak out loud and then you hear yourself and you're like, oh, that's what I'm thinking. Like, oh, it's so weird. Like, I'm going to admit, like last night I had a little anxiety attack and I was with my best friend and I started crying and she's like comforting me. I fucking love you, Zippy. Um, because I'm like, oh my God, I feel so naked. I feel so naked. I'm going to be so open. I mean, I'm always like an open person, but it's just like, is it going to trigger me? Is it going to be blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I'm here and I feel so fucking good talking about it. Like, I feel happy that I did. You know, it's like we, we just get in our heads so much that we don't realize that communication, just like I mentioned love. Mm -hmm. like I feel like love is, is the most important thing ever. Mm -hmm. Communication. No matter what, just be honest. Even if you feel like it's ugly, talk to somebody. Don't keep it inside because I truly feel like some cancers form because of stress. And I, my mom passed away of cancer. Nobody in my family has ever, ever passed away from cancer. Nobody has ever had cancer. My mom died when she was 33 years old. She was young. She is the only one in all sides of the family that died from cancer. And to this day, I truly believe that she had something. And due to her stress, it elevated it and it made it until she got that kind of deadly cancer. Stress is it's not deadly. It's, it's damaging and people don't, I want people to understand that it's like when you keep everything inside, it will turn physical. I get rashes. If I don't talk about something or I feel like I'm keeping secrets or I start getting like rashes and I start getting itchy. Mm -hmm. Um People don't understand that that turns into poison. Tell your truth. Mm -hmm. Find somebody that's willing to listen to you. There's so many opportunities out there. So there's so many people that want to listen to you. Yeah. Find it. It might not be the person that you wish that it was, but somebody will listen to you. Get that shit out. Exactly. Get that shit out of your body because mm -hmm. it's going to fucking poison you. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy. Nothing. And the next person that tells me that, oh, my God, I will, I'm going to slap him. <laughs> no, really, because it's like you are doing a disjustice by you saying that. Mm -hmm. Somebody's going to listen to you and they're going to be like, yeah, they're right. I shouldn't talk about what I'm thinking. And then what's going to happen? They're going to hurt themselves or something worse. You know, it's like talk about it, people. Talk about it. Use your voice. That's why it's there for. And you just have to communicate. You have to communicate. find a place. Google it. <laughs> it tells you everything like you know so yeah please don't believe that therapy is for crazies it's not it's not a medication if it's something that's on the table try it if you don't want to try that's fine too because i feel like eating better and adding vitamins like there's so many ways you can do it but fucking give yourself an opportunity to live give yourself that opportunity to live living can be so beautiful there's so many things in life that you would never think that are like fulfilling. And then you have the experience. You're like, oh my God, I want more of that. I want more. I want more, you know? And yeah. remember, it's not your little bubble is not the only thing that's real. I'll, I'll be honest right now. Mm -hmm. um, I've had a rough couple of weeks and mm -hmm. started off the beginning of the extreme anxiety. Extreme anxiety to a point where um, my appetite and my sleep are affected. And that doesn't happen. And when I know that's my anxiety, that's when it's yeah. bad. Yeah. And I would also been feeling kind of down and I 
wasn't excited to fly over down here because that's how depressed I was feeling. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I wasn't, I was just depressed enough where I wasn't excited until I got on the plane and it was, I took like a 6 a.m. flight. So we're on the plane. I'm looking outside. I see the clouds. I see the sunrise, the colors, like the, the pinks and the orange just kind mm -hmm. of in the clouds. And I'm seeing this and I had a moment. I'm like, this is fucking beautiful. Yeah. And I'm just looking at that. I'm like, in a sense, I kind of begged myself. I'm like, please take this moment and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And I was able to listen to myself and, and not feel as down in that moment and just kind of realize like where I'm at, what I'm doing, the fact that I'm actually able to get on a plane, take this time off and do this. Some, I, was living in this little, small, little, little bubble in the, for the past couple of weeks that just getting on that plane and seeing that it, it, it helped me put me in a better mindset for a hundred percent. So. Well, somebody paid you. <laughs> well, one thing I, I thank you for, cause what you're doing right now, oh, you, and you might not ever know the people that you've touched. Because somebody kind of <laughs> stumbled upon this and listened to the people that you interviewed. And they just needed one little motivation. Maybe they were at their last, they're at the edge. They were just like, oh man, I just don't believe. And for some reason, they happened to like come across what you're doing. And you're just going to kill them. And you'll never know. But you're doing it and you don't even know. And on top of that, like for a lot, of, I don't know, Latina, Latin. Next, like, I'm like, in Spanish, ella, ella is fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this is beautiful. You're already breaking generational trauma. You're already, because I, <laughs> I don't even have to talk about your life. And I already know. Like, I know. You know what I mean? So, I, I didn't realize that. Unfortunately, we don't have time for that. But, oh. like, I did have a conversation with my cousin that made me realize I'm, I've been breaking generational traditions that my family members don't agree with i mean just the fact that you and i both don't want kids in that sense like that's already a big one um but i want to i want to shout out to my sister right now because she she is the one at the young little age of 13 or so she came up to me and i remember i was i wasn't doing okay but she comes up to me and she goes i don't know what you're going through but i'll try to understand and that's when I learned the power of words is because her saying that she loves you, it, it just, I don't even know how to fully explain it yeah. other than it, it gave me this hope that I didn't realize that's what it was during that time. And so in a sense, that's kind of, yeah, my, my goal with this is that I know that's for sure between you and I and my sister, cause she listens, yeah. um, but my goal is that if it's one other person, because I know what it was like to oh, feel so alone. Are, are waiting for this to come out. Really? Oh, I promoted it. Oh so my like, god! Okay, girl. Yes. <laughs> the hummus too. I'm like hiding behind my hoodie. I'm like, okay, guys. This <laughs> 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 what's going on. No, mama. It's uh, ill. Well, I, anyone who's listening, I just hope that this impacts you in a positive way because I'm. I, that's, I don't want to add negativity into this world. You I want to be. You matter. You remember. do matter. You matter. That is that is. You have call. something to give to this world. Trust me. I don't care how low you think of yourself. I don't care 
where you come from, there is something you are here not by accident. There is something that you're going to give to this world to make it a better place. Look for it. It's in you. It's in all of us. Give yourself a chance. Okay. I'm going to quickly, so I like to end with a couple of like fun facts. Uh, fun facts. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> so as Google, as I Googled it. Um, so I, since you're from Colombia, so the first very first, very first person I interviewed, um, Norma Norms, um, is from Colombia. Her hey, family hey, is from. Hey. So I was like, you're the second person. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, well, let me get some specifically about Cali. Or Cali. Cali, yeah. Cali. Um, it's known as Rumba Capital. And to the world is known as the salsa capital. Hell yeah, girlfriend. I'm so happy that you mentioned that. You know many, I love my Puerto Ricans, but I've gotten into so many fights with Puerto Ricans. They're like, God, he's not the um well the capital the capital of salsa, because you know, uh, salsa was originally from Cuba, Puerto Rico. I mean they they fight them. Yeah. I'm like, no, dude, I came my mom told me I came out of her dancing. Like I miss that so much. It's in all our bloods. We love salsa. Yeah. Like salsa is such a huge Ah, it just brings me so many smiles. Like, my <laughs> face hurts because I'm smiling so much. I freaking love it. That's what I mean by the neighbors were just close to streets out of nowhere. And they wouldn't get a permit or anything. And everybody would just start dancing salsa yeah. and playing. It was just, eh, I don't know what yeah. it is. But yes, and this yes. is according to Columbia.travel. So uh-huh. this isn't yeah. just Wikipedia or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's also home to El Criso Rey, which is similar to Rio de Janeiro's uh-huh. um, um they have a, lar- a variety of museums including like i said archaeological museum i'm a big fan of archaeology kind of stuff oh, yeah. um which actually archaeologists think that the first people to arrive in colombia was about twenty thousand years ago oh. which is pretty cool um and then i was reading some other stuff and all i kept thinking was like wow food so good yeah. fucking food there's good fucking food there's that. <laughs> we dance and we eat. That's basically being a caleña and caleño. <laughs> like, I love that. We, we dance and we eat. Um, that. Alrighty. I well, any last minute words, any shout outs, social medias for yourself that you want to, any last minute things? I love you. I don't know you, but I love you. And also, um, can I promote my business? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm on it. <coughs> um, I have a pet care uh, business, and it's called Positive Pooch Patrol. P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-E. Did I spell that right? I don't know. Pooch Patrol. Um, we basically, uh, we're, we're your one-stop shop for all your pet needs. I just started this about a year ago, and I'm doing it full-time. And I'm looking to hire people in the uh, LA area, mm-hmm. the West Side. Um, so definitely, I'm gonna start my website. I mean, uh, everything is just like brand new right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's doing very good. People love their animals, and I love their animals too. So I'm I actually there. am a vet tech. So I love. <gasps> really? Yeah. So I, I kind of. Yeah, I love. I love I my job. It. Yeah. I, love. I mean, it doesn't even feel like a job. No, I'm I, just around fur balls all day. And- I get to talk to the humans. So there's that part, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I for the tell most the humans, how to do that. So I love that. I'm like, you need to parent your doggy better. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, west side of LA, but we're gonna extend, obviously. Do you have any social media for your for your uh, business yet? Oh, no. Okay. And I'm mm. already like, if you have people go like, see, see, if you had it already, you could have promoted it. And well, like, oh. you know what? Here's the thing. This isn't gonna come out for a while from now. Uh-huh. So there's time. If you create it between now and then, you just got to let me know. And okay, I'll... So it, it would be positivepoochpatrol.com or positivepoochpatrol.org. 
a look for positive push patrol on instagram it's a, literally just starting and the thing is that i i think i'm a little intimidated by making it like a website or an instagram thing or like social because i'm, I'm already getting so many requests yeah i feel i'm not business i mean i'm learning as i go you know what i mean i'm learning as i go with so this. it's like i don't want to say no to people so i don't want to get like 100 inquiries and i'm like oh i can't do it so i want to hire somebody before i can all right. Well, if something comes up social media wise, I will bring that up later. If not, Ooh, yeah, there, you, there go. you go. You can like, yeah, yeah do, do a little, it later. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Thank you for doing this. Oh, I'm so proud of you, girl. I'm so proud of you. Good for you. Thank you. you. Oh, best super. life. Spreading love. <laughs> spreading the truth. Oh, I can't do this without the person sitting in front of me. This is my podcast as much as it is. is everyone else's whoever mm -hmm. sits in front of me and whoever listens to this um i'm doing this for myself but i'm also doing it for other people out there so don't thank forget you. we love you when you matter <laughs> thank you so much for <laughs> listening um and until next time i don't know your music <laughs> <laughs> i'm putting like a little music here.